awesome Bible study tonight. Well, uh, as uh, Pastor John has been uh, involved in various aspects of the the subject of prayer for quite some time, I wanted to go ahead and uh, uh, hit the the subject, but from a a different angle. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about praying in the last days. Praying in the last days. Now, understanding the the times that we're living in is a very important thing. As a matter of fact, the scripture talks about the sons of Issachar uh, back in the Old Testament. Uh, and the thing that was significant about this group was that they were had sensitivity to know times and seasons. They knew what was going on and what was up in the world of their day. And uh, we as believers need to do the same. We need to be... Uh, up on what's going on in in the world of our day, sensitive to the times and the seasons. And when you see things going on like we see going on, uh, this is symptomatic of the times that we're living in and and the fact that uh, the the drawing near of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is just getting closer and closer. As the world gets crazier and crazier, You can get happier and happier because that means you're a day closer to being in the presence of God. But uh, I I saw some things in the word that I just really wanted to bring to you tonight, especially regarding praying in the last days and what what the Bible talks about praying for that that would have an emphasis to the the, the last days or, or uh, what would just fit right in to, to the, the needs that believers would have in the last days. And, and it's interesting because uh, uh, there are several things I want to get to tonight, but um, in, in all of them, you really can see three concepts that just keep on popping up. First of all, preparation. Secondly, preservation. And thirdly, what it's all about is presentation. Preparation, meaning that you've taken the initial step you needed to take to prepare for that day, which is you got born again. You got washed in the blood. You got saved. Without that, I mean, you're not even at getting ready for the Lord's coming 101. I mean, that's the very first step you need to take to prepare is uh, uh, to get into the kingdom of God to to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then after that uh, act of preparation, you you see a lot lot, uh, that has to do with preservation because one thing that Jesus repeatedly talked about when he talked about the time of the end, he that endures to the end, he that endures to the end, he that endures to the end. That, that, that is a, a phrase that you heard Jesus say over and over again. Who would be saved? He or she who endures to the end shall be saved. So there's that aspect of preservation, not just getting on the right road, but then staying on the right road. And if you get on the right road and you stay on the right road, then when you get there to presentation time, Glory to God, then you can go ahead and enjoy the presence of God and enjoy eternity with him. Hallelujah. So uh, those things are going to keep popping up on us. Preparation, preservation, and presentation as we dig in tonight. But I want you to go to Luke 18, and we'll go ahead and get our start there and and look at several things here that uh, should be, uh, and I'm not going to say that this is a, uh, conclusive list that this includes everything, but this definitely includes some real good highlights of what the scriptures talk about uh, in regard to praying in the last days. Luke chapter 18. And uh, I want to take a look uh, at the, the second half of verse 8. It, it, it just says it in that one little phrase. The second half of verse 8, Luke 18, the words of Jesus, where he said, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So what one 
there's a point of emphasis and, and something that needs to be part of our prayer lives and a prayer emphasis in the last days is regarding our faith. Because when he comes, he's going to be looking for some. How many of you get that? You, you see what he just said there? When I come, will I find faith on the earth? That means he's going to be looking for it, which means we sure ought to have some. But the, the idea of our prayers regarding faith is not a prayer to get faith. Because the Bible is very clear about how faith comes. Faith does not come by praying for it and asking for it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so our prayers regarding our faith is not a prayer to get faith, but, but actually there's some things that, that we see that will help to keep us in faith and keep us solid upon our faith as these times uh, close in on us. Uh, you're in Luke, go to chapter 22, and I want to look at something that Jesus prayed regarding uh, his, his disciple Peter's faith. So one of the first things that we, we uh, see an emphasis on as far as what we should be uh, directing our prayers towards, especially in the context of these last days, is in this area of faith. Look at Luke 22, 31 and 32, and it says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prayed a prayer for Peter regarding his faith. And the prayer was this, that his faith would not fail. And I got good news for somebody tonight who's feeling weak. Let me tell you that at the right hand of the Father, Jesus, our high priest, is doing the same thing he did for Peter. He's praying for us. The scripture says that he lives forever to make intercession for us. And so Jesus is talking to the Father on our behalf. And what's he doing? He's praying for us for the same result that ultimately happened in Peter's life, that our faith would not fail. Glory to God. Those are comforting words. Here's some other things you can write down. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 3, 10, the apostle Paul said that night and day that he was praying exceedingly to see the face of these people in the church of Thessalonica and also to perfect what was lacking in their faith. He was praying that. And he actually said, I'm praying that night and day. I'm praying to be able to perfect what is lacking in your faith. And of course, why? Because what, what, why is this a point of emphasis in this time in which we live? Because we established right off the bat that when Jesus comes, he's looking for some. He's looking for faith. He's coming to find faith. His question was, when I come, will I find it? So that's why these prayers are very valuable because when he finds us, we want him to find us with faith. Hallelujah. So uh, uh, th that was 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Also, I want you to jot down, uh, those of you that are taking notes, or if you got your electronic device, you can find it real quick. But Jude, uh, verse 20, only one chapter in Jude. Jude, verse 20 says this, that you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That, that praying in the Holy Ghost can, can have an effect on you building yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith. So, so we see the, the emphasis of prayer in regards to, to our faith. And once again, to be very, very, very clear, you don't pray to get faith. That's not how you get faith. You get faith by hearing the word of God. But, but we see here some scriptural prayers that have to do with your faith, not on getting it, but on making sure that, that, that you stay in it and you stay built up on it and in it. 
So uh, 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 that's the the first thing I want to lay out to you tonight is the importance of us uh, uh, praying, especially regarding staying strong in faith and our faith not failing. Secondly, I want to talk to you about praying regarding the spread of the word and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Praying regarding the spreading of the word and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, these two themes have great significance in the last days. As a matter of fact, Joel's prophecy about the Holy Spirit coming out, uh, coming upon all flesh is a, is a last day's prophecy. When, when Peter uttered that what was happening on the day of Pentecost was a fulfillment of that prophecy, he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. So we see the outpouring of the spirit as a, a, a something that is directly connected to the last days and also the preaching of the word around the world. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So you see both the outpouring of the spirit and the spreading of the word as being uh, directly connected to the time of the end. Now, why don't you go to James chapter 5? And I want to see a few things here. James chapter 5. Hallelujah. You know, here's the thing. If we really dig into the word, we don't have to wonder what to pray about. You know, some people uh, uh, would uh, approach their prayer life as though, I don't know what you're going to do in there for an hour on Tuesday night. I mean, I got a few things wrong, but I can't, can't go a whole hour talking to God about stuff. But, but you know, the, the interesting thing is that, uh, that that's a person who really doesn't have a clue. First of all, that's a person who doesn't have a clue that you're really not supposed to be the only one doing the talking in, in this session here. That, that when you talk, there's a God who wants to talk back to you. Hey, come on now. But also besides that, the, the fact that, the, the, when you really examine the word, there's lots of stuff to pray about. And, and uh, I encourage the people on Tuesday nights very often when, we, when, when we're gathered together that we need to have a view of life that is outside of the little box of us. As a matter of fact, it, it is a, a, a beautiful thing when you are open up yourself to the Lord to pray for things that don't seem to directly benefit you. Pray for nations. Well, I've never been there and never planned on going to that nation. But is it all about you? Or is it all about him? And all about people that need him. So therefore, yeah, you might never been, you might not have any intention of going. I tell you what, I don't have any intention unless the Lord would ever tell me otherwise, I'm going to Mongolia. But I can tell you this, that I can point to the place on the road where I was driving down one day and just having some fellowship time with the Lord and, and I got it as clear that in my spirit that I needed to pray for the nation of Mongolia. And I did. And I tell you, God wants to take us to a place in prayer where we're thinking of outside of our little box and uh, me and uh, my wife and uh, uh, my, my uh, son and his wife and like the old saying goes, us four and no more. You know what I'm saying? We, we need to get out of that us four and no more mentality and let God be able to flow through us in prayer to be able to pray for nations, to be able to pray about things that may not seem to directly benefit you, 
But I tell you, if it's a benefit to the kingdom of God, if it's a benefit to God, then it's a benefit. Because when you pray for somebody else, even somebody else that's on the other side of the world, you know how that comes boomeranging back to you? Is that God's going to tap somebody on the shoulder who might be on the other side of the world and have them pray for you. Mm, mm, mm. That feels good. Yeah, come on. Now, y'all got James 5, right? I gave you enough time to get there. Yeah. Look at verse 7. It says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So I want you to see here that, that, that this in the context, we, we see a mention of the coming of the Lord at the beginning of verse 7 and at the end of verse 8. The context of this is clear, that it's uh, talking about the time of the coming of the Lord and that it's at hand. But he says that the farmer is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and he's waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now I want you to go ahead uh, to the end of the Old Testament. Before Matthew is Malachi and then before Malachi is Zechariah. I want you to check out the book of Zechariah and chapter 10. We're talking about praying in these last days for the spread of the word and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit around the world. Zechariah chapter 10. Verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. You just got yourself a new prayer assignment, somebody. Oh, yeah. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. So this outpouring of the early rain and the latter rain, this outpouring that James was talking about, that the farmer's waiting for, and he's got long patience for it. Why? Because as far as the farmer's concerned, Hey, uh, there's a harvest of souls in this world that he wants to see reaped and brought in to the kingdom of God. And he's willing to wait for it. You know why? Because he really, really cares about people. He is absolutely positively not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So therefore, the idea that God would be patiently waiting is perfectly fitting with his character because he loves these people. He don't want to see these people lost. He wants to see them found. Now, as we get into agreement with God and pray for this rain, what does he do? The Lord makes flashing clouds and he will give them showers of rain. Somebody needs to start asking God, for rain in the time of the latter rain. Well, what, what else can we ask God for in regards to this, in, in regard to the outpouring, in regard to the spread of the word? Why don't you go uh, forward to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. After Zechariah's Malachi, after Malachi's Matthew chapter 9. And I want to look right towards the end of chapter 9 here. Matthew 9 and verse 37 and 38. Hallelujah. Then he said, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, so you've got several prayers you can pray. You can pray, Lord, send the rain. 
in the time of the latter rain. You can say, Lord, send laborers. But one thing about this prayer of sending laborers, and uh, uh, we were praying, and, and something just hit me. Uh, the, the Lord said, uh, I, I, I just sense the Lord saying inside of me, I, I like when people pray that a whole lot more, when, when they're not just talking about somebody else going, but they're willing to go themselves. Amen. And I thought, hmm, hmm, that's interesting. You see, it's easy to pray, Lord, send somebody. Lord, send somebody. Somebody needs to go. That, that person out by my street corner who ain't acting right, they need somebody. Lord, send somebody. That crazy relative of mine, they need somebody. Lord, send somebody. But I remember the words of the prophet Isaiah in the sixth chapter of his book where he said, Here, my Lord, send me. Is anybody along with praying that the Lord would send laborers, also volunteering to be one of the ones he can send. Come on now. Hallelujah. So we see another thing we can pray regarding the, the outpouring of the spirit and the preaching of the word around the world. You can write some of these down. Second Thessalonians 3, 1 Thessalonians 3.1. Uh, Paul asked the church there to pray for him that the word of the Lord would run swiftly. One translation of that is that the, uh, the, the, the original King James is that the word of the Lord would have free course. Another translation of that is that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. These are things we can pray. These are things we're supposed to be praying. And if you don't know, now you know. Acts chapter 4 when they got together over in uh, 29 and 30, uh, uh, after uh, Peter and John were loosed, after uh, uh, getting in trouble for preaching in the name of Jesus, what it says there in uh, 29 and 30 as they were praying, they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. This is what they prayed. They prayed, yeah, Lord, Lord, pour it on even more so we can speak it even more. Give us boldness that, that we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Over in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, 18 through 20, right where Paul's wrapping up his beautiful uh, layout of the armor of God. And then in verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching there and too, watching, talking about being alert, being on guard. And boy, that's a whole other subject right there. But, uh, uh, but, but yet it's related to, to what we're doing here because this is part of being on guard in our prayers during the time of the end. And uh, uh, verse 19 of that, he says, also pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel that I'd speak it boldly as I ought to speak it that's something to pray for your pastor that's something to pray for yourself especially if you're tired of being shy and timid in the corner knowing you got something to say knowing you got something to help somebody but being too shy about telling somebody something well I'll tell you what you, you know when 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 the building is burning, you don't want nobody to be shy. When there's only one way out of the burning building, you don't want anybody to be shy. You ain't going to look at them and say, you narrow-minded thing, telling me there's only one way to exit the burning building. So I want you to realize this, that these are prayers that when you pray, that, that they cannot just have an impact and a blessing on the life of somebody else for whom you pray these prayers but you can pray them for yourself that the Lord would grant that boldness to you. Hallelujah. Also, another reference along the same line, you can just write it down if you like, is Colossians 4, verse 3 and 4. Colossians 4, 3 and 4. So, so here's another point of emphasis. We, uh, uh, we saw first in the area of faith where, where, where we can uh, pray things re regarding uh, our faith not failing, that, that we can pray things regarding perfecting what is lacking concerning our faith. And, and also the, the idea of, uh, uh, of praying in the Holy Ghost and by so doing that we're building ourselves up on our faith. 
And then we see this here that we just covered concerning praying regarding two very important to the last days, the outpouring of the spirit around the world and the proclamation of the gospel around the world. What next? Are you ready? Oh, come on, y'all. Are you ready? All right. Yeah, let's do this one here. Go to John 17. Uh, I I want want to uh, show you something here about prayers in the scripture that talk about being kept from evil. Prayers regarding being kept from evil. And, you know, when, when evil is on the loose in a way that is accelerated more than ever, these are some good things to know to pray. And, and this here in John 17 is part of Jesus' prayer. You ain't going to find no fault with what Jesus prayed. You know, that, that, that's why I am such a stickler for praying the prayers of the Bible. Not that you just got to take them and word for word them, but, but I, uh, the, the, the idea that if Paul prayed it for the church, then God must want me to have that too. If Jesus prayed it for me, then, uh, for, for them, then Jesus would pray the same thing for me too. If it's for them, it's for me. And, and, and to, to understand that, that there's no safer zone of prayer than praying things that are clearly in the word and then praying in the spirit when you know that your spirit and the Holy Spirit are hooked up praying out the will of God. You can't go wrong with that when you're praying the word and praying in the spirit. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, talk about uh, something that is just absolutely streamlined right to the heart of the answer, right to the heart of the matter. Glory to God. And so I'm, I'm a stickler. Uh, and can't emphasize enough the importance of praying the word. Jesus said, John 17, verse 15. He said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. He's praying this is for his followers. He said, Lord, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Come on. That you should keep them from the evil one. Now, over in Luke 11, uh, the first few verses, we're, we're very familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And, and the, the traditional uh, uh, way we're used to hearing it is, uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but it's interesting that the New King James in verse 4 specifically says, deliver us from the evil one. Someone say, deliver us. So, so what, why is deliverance from the evil one important? Because the evil one is evil. I mean, th- this is not a hard one to get, y'all. <laughs> this is easy to get. He bad. He's real bad. And you don't want to have nothing to do with him. You want to stay as far away from him as you can. You want to be delivered from him. I love the, the verse that says we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son or the son of his love. Hallelujah. Uh, In the garden of Gethsemane, if you remember this, Luke 22, you see there's verse 40 and verse 46. Jesus actually instructed his followers to pray that they would not enter into temptation. Now, come on, temptation is running wild. Temptation is running wild. As evil increases and wickedness increases, what else increases along with that? A whole lot of temptation. And you, by praying, can actually keep yourselves from entering into temptation. You can't pray that you don't get tempted. Did you hear what I said? You can't pray that. Because guess what? If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you too. And Jesus was tempted, and so are we. But, hey, he may knock on your door, but you don't have to sign for the package. Hallelujah. All right. 
and, and, and you know, so, so we see when it talks about being delivered from evil, he talks about being delivered from the evil one. He talks about praying so that you would not enter into temptation. But he also talks about being delivered from evil people with evil intentions. Uh, you can go to 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, and while you're going there, I'm going to read something to you out of Romans 15, 30 and 31. Uh, that's where Paul said, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. So this is in the context of prayer. What are we going to pray about? That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. So, so Paul was actually praying not just for deliverance from the evil one, but deliverance from people who do not believe. And as a result of their unbelief, they were giving Paul a whole lot of trouble because he was a believer. And the idea that the one who once persecuted the faith is now out there spreading it, that made a whole lot of people hot at him, I guarantee you. Do you have 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2? All right, let's go ahead and go here. Uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, we read one already, but we'll read it again. It says, finally, brethren, pray for us. So this is a prayer that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. So how many of you? Oh, yeah. Can they, I know some unreasonable and wicked people I need deliverance from. Now, some of y'all thinking about your boss and you just need to knock it off right now. I'm having fun with you. But, but uh, do, do, you, do you see the need in your life? Do you see some people that, that, that are, are trying to uh, pour some cold water on your fire? Some people that are trying to plant seeds in you that, that are not good seeds, that are seeds that would bring up weeds instead of seeds that would produce good fruit in your life. Are there some people in your life you need to be delivered from because they're wicked and they're unreasonable? Well, Paul had the same thing, and he prayed for that very thing. He said, Lord, I want to be delivered from these people who are unreasonable and wicked, these people who do not have faith. And you know, in the time we're living in, you know, that's greatly increased. Wicked men, seducers, what's the Bible said? It'll get worse and worse. The Bible's very clear about that. So, hey, if it's getting worse and worse, turn the prayer up and up. Hallelujah. Another thing to pray about in these last days, walking in love, wholeness, and holiness. Walking in love, wholeness, and holiness. First Thessalonians 5. You're in 2 Thessalonians 3. Just turn back. First Thessalonians 5. Walking in love, wholeness, and holiness. First thing we're going to see here is the idea of walking in wholeness and holiness. First Thessalonians 5, 23. Paul's praying for the church, and he says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we talked about uh, uh, the, the idea of being preserved. The idea of preservation, we see that here very clearly. But, but we see the, the idea of wholeness, that God's not just looking to preserve a part of you. God's looking to preserve the whole package, spirit, soul, and body. And how is he looking to preserve you? He's looking to preserve you blamelessly. That's the holiness factor. How many of you see the need to pray that for yourself? Hallelujah. Get in agreement with that. You know, another one along the same line, you can write this down, is in the book of Jude, chapter 1. Like I said before, only one little chapter to Jude. Verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
So something right out of the word that you can pray, a prayer of commitment to say, Lord, uh, uh, now unto you, here I am. And I give myself to you, the one that's able to keep me from falling, the one that's able to present me. We're talking about presentation. And how are you going to get presented? Faultless. I know I've said this before, but I've got to say it again. There's only one way that somebody can go from being faultful to being faultless. And it's called the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. And, and by so doing, think about this, that, that, that you're standing before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. These are some things that you can pray for you, pray for others. We're still in 1 Thessalonians. Go to chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3. Look at verse 12. It says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Holiness. If there's anybody having a, a struggle with holy living, let me tell you, there's prayers right here in the Bible that you can go ahead and take and start praying. They'll get you back on the track of holiness. Get your living right. You see somebody struggling, you pray that for them. But what's it all related to? You see these things we're uh, reading here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, what we read before, talking about being preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jude talk about? He talked about how you're going to be presented before him. What's this talking about? Uh, establishing your heart blameless in holiness before God, uh, our Father, at, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Things that are directly related to the time of the end, the time of his coming. Do you see the connection? You know, you can write this down. Philippians 1, 9 and 10 talks about uh, praying that our love would abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment and that we would be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Without offense. Well, I like to look at it from two sides. You're, you're, you're not the offender and you're not the offended. Are you with me on that? That you would not be the offender and not be the offended. You're not the offender because you're not doing things that would go ahead and bring harm or, uh, uh, to, to somebody else. You're, you're not doing things that, that would uh, cause an occasion of stumbling to somebody else. But also you're not the one who's being offended because you've learned something about walking in love. And you've been praying these prayers that God's given you that are specifically geared at your love walk. Hallelujah. Now, one last thing I want to hit here. And there's... This is not conclusive, like I said, but there are just some things that I thought were right to hit tonight that, that, that would help to expand our, our prayer life and, and to get us to realize how much is in the word that, that, that we can pray that is so very fitting to the times that we're living in. And this is something you may not have even heard a whole lot about, praying this, but it's in the Bible as clear as the nose on your face. Pray to walk worthy and be counted worthy. Pray to walk worthy and be counted worthy. Go to Luke 21. Luke 21. And I want you to realize this, that Jesus in Luke 20, before the, uh, the chapter we're about to read from, had, had brought up the idea of those who are counted worthy, that they're the ones that would attain the resurrection from the dead. Said that those who are counted worthy would attain the resurrection from the dead. But then he mentions this idea of those who would be counted worthy in Luke 21 again. And this is just really amazing. And, and uh, 
Uh, we're going to read it right now. Verse 36. Luke 21. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, to, to really get the full context, you would need to get into the chapter and find out of what all those things are that you'd be escaping. But uh, uh, we don't have time to do that right now. But the thought is this. How many of us have ever taken the time to pray, Lord, I pray that I'd be counted worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man? I dare say that there's a whole lot of people here that, that that verse has never been in your promise box or on your refrigerator or on your dashboard or on a post-it note anywhere in your office. That's probably something you've not thought a whole lot about. But the interesting thing is Jesus said, pray always. And what's the purpose of the prayer? That you would be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Go to 2 Thessalonians 1. 2 Thessalonians 1. And while you're going there, let me uh, uh, quote to you Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Also another prayer that Paul's praying for the church. He said, uh, for this reason we also sense the day we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you and do ask that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And what else does he go on to pray? That you may walk worthy of the Lord that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him now 2 Thessalonians 1 11 you, are you there take a look at it verse 11 therefore we also pray always for you so th this is something they pray all the time that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Now, it's interesting. Jesus said pray always. Paul said he's praying always. And, and, and yet, I just don't know how many people pray that. But, but if you didn't know before tonight, you know now. Hey, hallelujah. Now, let's see. Where are we? We're in 2 Thessalonians 1. Good. Uh, if you look at verse 3 through 5, in verse 3, he starts in prayer. He said, we are bound to thank God always for you. And then he says, brethren, as it's fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So he's offering up a prayer of thanksgiving to God for, for these, this church and their, their faith is growing exceedingly, their love's abounding, and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, they're able to talk everywhere about the, the, the patience and the faith that they have uh, uh, exhibited in the uh, persecutions that they're enduring. And verse 5, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Now, now you remember Jesus said pray always. Paul said we pray always for you. What's the beginning of verse 3 here say? We are bound to thank God always for you. And what's part of this always thanksgiving prayer he's offering? Once again, the idea of being counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Now, you might say, all right, well, this is good. How do you get to be worthy? <laughs> I mean, after all, Jesus said, and some of the strongest words Jesus put out there in Matthew 10 is that uh, verse 37, 38, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love son and daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. And uh, if uh, he, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. But then, Lord, I, I want to be worthy, and I want to pray that, that I can be worthy. How on earth do I get there? And, you know, I want to go ahead and uh, look at something in Revelation 3, and I think this is a good place to go to to get the answer we're looking for. Revelation chapter 3. 
where Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in Asia Minor, words directly to the church of Sardis. So we'd see this theme of praying that you would be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. And, and then we also see, I do not cease to pray for you that you would walk worthy of the Lord. We always pray for you that our God would count you worthy. We're bound to thank God always for you that you may be counted worthy. What's this all about? Revelation 3, 4 through 5. You have a few names even in Sardis. These are the words of Jesus. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now think about this. If you, uh, as a believer, seeing this need and seeing this emphasis in the scripture say lord i pray uh, because i want to be counted worthy lord i'm praying that i may walk worthy and i see a, a scriptural pattern here so i want to pray according to that scriptural pattern when then several things are going to happen first of all you're going to see this manifest in your life that that you're going to be one who does not defile their garments. What's the answer to that prayer when you pray it? That, that when you have the possibility to defile your garments, that there's strength that rises up in you at that moment where instead of giving in, you're strong to not give in. Come on now. Right at that moment when you need it, there's help. Remember, we even saw it earlier when it talked about praying that you be not led into temptation. Or that you, well, that you would not enter into temptation. Remember that? So, so th- think about that connection. That, Lord, I'm praying because I want to be uh, counted worthy to escape these crazy things happening down here on this planet that's about to come to an end and, and stand before the Son of Man. And, Lord, I want to be counted worthy. I want to walk worthy. I want to walk worthy of the Lord. I want to walk worthy of my calling. And you're praying this. How is that prayer answered? Well, I'll tell you what, this one way right there is is that the Lord gives you the help at the moment where you have the opportunity to get some spots on your garment and you don't. Or if you do stumble and fall, you've got the something that's better than oxyclean y'all something that's better than any stain fighter out there you've got the very blood that got you into this thing in the beginning with it's the same blood that keeps in this thing hallelujah the same blood that purchased that white robe for you to begin with is the same blood that keeps your white robe white Talk about whitening your whites. Hey, somebody. You might say, how can a brown cow that eats green grass under a blue sky produce white milk and yellow butter? Well, I'm going to ask you this. How can red blood take sin that is dark as night and wash it off and make that garment white again? How's that for one of the mysteries of the world? Hallelujah. So the Lord will help you to not defile your garments. And also, uh, you see in verse 5, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But what else does the Bible say about overcoming? Well, it goes back to something we talked about in the beginning. First John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So when you are strong in faith, what are you strong in? You are strong in the very victory that overcomes the world. 
And so if you are strong in faith, you're strong in the thing that is going to cause you to be victorious over what's in this world. And what's the end result of that? Is you being counted worthy. Hallelujah. And then what else here? He said, I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Think about this, that, that you and you're confessing Jesus before men, confessing Jesus before men, not caring what they think, not caring how they look at you or if they laugh at you or whatever. You know what you're setting yourself up for? You're setting yourself up for exactly what Jesus said, that he would confess you. He would confess your name before the Father because you weren't afraid to confess his name before others. Hallelujah. And what does that have to do with? Another thing we talked about tonight called boldness to speak the word. So you see this? all wrapped up in things we talked about tonight, that, that you can avoid being defiled because there's that strength that comes to keep you from entering into temptation. And what else? Oh, come on. Well, I'm, I'm repeating it because this is something we really need to get before we close up tonight. Being an overcomer, directly related to our faith. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. When you're strong in your faith, when, when your faith life is right, when that which has been lacking in your faith has been perfected, then you are also perfected in the art of overcoming. Hallelujah. And then when you're boldly, when you're asking for boldness and getting boldness and boldly proclaiming the Lord before men, what happens? He confesses you and proclaims you before the Father. Hallelujah. Go to Revelation 7. There's a lot we can get into, but uh, I'm going to close right here because time is late. Revelation 7. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? Now remember the significance of the white robe. We were just looking at it in Revelation 3. Those who have not defiled their garments, they shall walk with me in white. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And then here in Revelation 7. Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? Verse 14. And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the idea of praying to be worthy, to be counted worthy, to be able to walk worthy, let me tell you this. You get into it by the blood. You stay in it by the blood. And when it comes to the finish line that you get to, you're still celebrating that same blood that got you in there, the same blood that helped to keep your garment white along the way. And because that blood kept your white garment white down here, you got a white garment when you're there. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. How many of you have seen something about prayer you've not seen before tonight? But it's been in the book the whole time. It's been there all along. And it's about time we got to see it and do it. Amen. Well, that's enough for tonight. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for revealing your word to us. Your word is awesome. And, Lord, we just behold incredible things in your word, wonderful things in your word. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for, for the insight you've given to, to all of us here tonight. 